Whether you're producing absorbent hygiene products or supplying goods and services to a producer of hygiene products, staying on top of consumer trends is essential. Since satisfying consumers and enabling them to buy more products should be the ultimate goal of anyone in the industry, knowing what consumers are interested in and understanding how their habits might change can help determine who is successful and who isn't. So how can you stay up to date on the latest consumer trends that are impacting the absorbent hygiene industry? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Ali Angus and Li Ying Qian from Euromonitor about the top 10 consumer trends for 2023 and their impact on the hygiene market. Euromonitor has been researching consumer trends for over 50 years, and they've been releasing their top consumer trends report since 2010. In addition, Ali and Li Ying have been working in and around the hygiene industry for well over a decade combined, so they are both more than qualified to educate us on the top consumer trends for 2023 and their impact on our industry. My conversation with Ali and Li Ying stretched for close to two hours, so we'll be splitting this episode up into three parts. The first episode will cover the top 10 trends for 2023, and parts two and three will touch on the six trends that are having the biggest impact on the hygiene market and what that means for you, hygiene article producers. Joining me today to discuss the top consumer trends of 2023 and their impact on the absorbent hygiene market are Ali Angus and Li Ying Qian from Euromonitor. Ali and Li Ying, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. As we do with all of our guests, we'd like to have them introduce themselves. So can you please each introduce yourself and your background and, and your current roles at Euromonitor? And Ali, as our quote unquote industry outsider, I guess we'll start with you. Okay, yeah. Well, it's really nice to be a part of this. First of all, Jack, thank you. So yeah, my name is Ali Angus. I'm the head of innovation practice at Euromonitor. So that means I'm constantly monitoring consumer goods innovations, looking at what sort of new products we see evolving, what product expansion, so types of innovation, where we're seeing it, who's innovating, and of course, why. And so the why is the changes in consumer behavior and purchase motivations that we see and that businesses are having to adapt to. So these are our consumer trends, right? And that's what I'm here to talk about today. So yeah, my life is very much about innovation and uh, and trends. I bet that's got to be pretty exciting. And you're kind of on the front edge of seeing what's coming and learning more about what companies are doing. I bet that's never boring. It's never boring. It's really fun. And uh, I think the thing is, you never get away from it, right? Because it's consumer goods. It's your whole life. You're entrenched in it. So everywhere you go, you see consumer behavior and you start thinking about work. But (laughs) yeah, it's really good fun. It's really interesting. And there's so much exciting stuff happening. So I'm I'm really glad to be talking about it. And then we're happy and excited to be (laughs) talking about today too. And Li Ying, can you please introduce yourself as well? 
Absolutely. So, hi. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Li Yingqian. My current role is the head of tissue and disposable hygiene at Euromonitor based in Chicago. So in this role, what I do essentially is to oversee our global tissue and hygiene research and lead our editorial strategy, very much with the focus on content analysis, providing data-based actionable insight to the businesses, informing them what's happening in the industry, why it's happening, and what's next. So I spend the bulk of my time really thinking about the top trends, driving, shaping the industry, not just now, but in maybe the next three, five, maybe even 10 years. For example, value creation through quality and value hybridity, clean evolution, holistic wellness for women, and personalization are some of the key topics are pretty high on our radar. So taking a step back, just a little bit more about myself, I joined your monitor early 2020, so right before the pandemic, fortunately witnessing what's happening historically over the last three years. I started off focused on North American tissue and hygiene research and transformed last year into the current role. And even before that, I was a, guess what, a financial journalist covering mergers, acquisition, and stocks for a couple of global news outlets. So a very different day-in and day-out task, but very similar business audience and kind of underlying motivation to help with business decisions. So that's me. Absolutely. And, and anyone who is kind of in the know in the industry or has attended an industry conference would probably recognize your name. You're, you, you speak at the hygienics conference and the different conferences we have, as well as a, a regular interviewee or contributor to some of the industry articles, particularly in non-wobins industry. So obviously, you know what you're talking about when it comes to the tissue and hygiene industry. And uh, we're excited to get more of your insights today. Thank you, Jack. So I always like to ask our guests what they like most about working in the industry. And Li Ying, since you're, you've been in the industry now, as you said, for about three years, curious what you found most interesting and what you've enjoyed the most about working in the industry, particularly, you know, since uh, the kind of onset of COVID. And uh, I'm sure that's been a very interesting time for you to join the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a very uh, humble, interesting industry to me on a personal level. When I started researching the hygiene products, I found immediate connection as a consumer and as a woman in many levels. It's a category that has been essential in everyone's life, but also going through a lot of transformations over the years. Uh, more broadly, I think everyone will agree with me that this is an industry that provides a valuable lens into consumer psychology and a broader social economic trends and landscapes, especially in such a, I would say, eventful time right now. So in many levels, this is a very relatable industry to me and for me to learn about what's happening in the consumer market and to myself as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I enjoy about working in the industry is, as you said, everyone, everyone can relate to it. You know, at some point in their lives, either, well, pretty much everyone's going to use an absorbent hygiene product and, you know, you see them on the shelves and it's something you can definitely relate to. And as you said, it relates so much to major consumer trends, which is what we're talking about today, that it's uh, it's a very dynamic and changing and and what most people don't realize, but very innovative industry as well. There's a lot of changes going on and 
it's very exciting. And we, you know, we talk about that with a lot of guests, but yeah, I can definitely relate to, to many of the things you, you, you mentioned there as far as being able to relate and, and kind of connect with the industry we work in. And Allie, you are, a, like I said, a bit of an outsider, but you're, you know, it doesn't mean you're unfamiliar with the absorbent hygiene industry. So I'm curious, what have you found most, most interesting about your work uh, in and around the absorbent hygiene industry? So I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> so I started in the monitor around 14 years ago. And my role then was to manage the Western Europe uh, uh, research across all our industries. So I have experience within the tissue and hygiene industries. And when I first started and we did our research on tissue and hygiene, I was told, well, you know, you're going to struggle to get analysts to be motivated about this industry. They'd rather be working on beauty or consumer electronics or something. You know, they find it very hard to get motivated about this. So it's just not perceived as so interesting. But very, very quickly, I realized that actually they became motivated very quickly. And as did I, because like you have both said, there's a lot of interesting things that happen within tissue and hygiene. So when you start looking at how these products have evolved, things like baby products, they become more interesting, more fun, more personalized. Um, so the population change driving the changes in what consumers are looking for, the whole female-focused products now, the aging population, where we're sort of providing more convenience and younger parents are, are being more indulgent in what they purchase for their kids. So, yeah, very quickly, everyone realises that actually it is a very interesting market to be a part of. And so, yeah, that's my little story that, um, yeah, you need to really think about what you're, what you're doing before you make your, make your thoughts. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure uh, Ling and I can both relate to that. When I yes. first got into the industry, I guess that was almost seven years ago. I didn't think I'd be, I didn't know if I'd still be in the industry. I definitely didn't think I'd be making a podcast about the industry. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, it has a way yeah. of, of drawing people in. And, and you said there's so much interesting stuff going on. And I think if you, you know, if you, if you've been in the industry a while, kind of start to realize how long-term a lot of the people in the industry have been in it. You know, obviously there's turnover, but there's a lot of really kind of, uh, you know, people who have spent most of their careers in the hygiene industry and the tissue and non-wovens industry. And, you know, help, that makes you kind of realize the the draw of the industry and the sense of community in the industry that kind of keep people in it and continuing to work in it and innovate. Yeah, definitely. Now, as we've mentioned a few times, we're here to talk consumer trends today and, and Euromonitor, they're the consumer trends experts I know in the hygiene industry and many other industries. So I'm curious, before going into the trends in detail, I'd like to ask you to kind of share a bit about where these trends are coming from and where Euromonitor is kind of collecting some of this information to put out their annual report. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting. I think your monitor publishes these trends annually and uh, they're really important for business to understand so they can stay relevant and they can grow. And we've been doing this now for over 10 years, more than 10 years. And so we're in a pretty good place. We understand consumers. We understand the behavior patterns. We understand the industries that play out. And because we've been doing this for a while, we kind of really have a good idea of what's happening. So how do we do this each year? 
It's shocking, actually, because we start this process around June, July time each year. So it's and it shocks me every year because I'm already starting to plan and think about getting how we kind of roll this roll this out. And it's only just 2023. Right. (laughs) So we're thinking about 2024 already. I guess, first of all, because we are constantly monitoring what's happening out there in terms of the trends, we we have an idea of the kind of things that are going to become more and more important ready for the next year. So that's the starting point. We're always gathering ideas and trends and insights. But the actual process we use, we around July time, we poll out across the company. So we have uh, is it 15, 16 offices now around the world and we have in-country analysts in over 100 countries so we pull out across the company to say what are you seeing what do you think are going to be the big consumer trends that are going to really impact on business next year and we gather all those inputs and obviously you can imagine there's a lot so we then spend July kind of filtering through those and we check them against the set criteria so first of all Are they kind of global trends? Will they resonate across pretty much most places, most regions? So that's really important. And with these, yes, they might not be as strong maybe in Latin America as they are in Western Europe, but they do play out across all all those countries. That's the first criteria. Do they then impact across industries? They've got to be pan industry in terms of their impact. And then we ask, are they really the trend for the year ahead? Is it already happening? Is it having its moment now? Like we have She Rises this year. It's having its moment now, even though it's been around for some time. Mm -hmm. It's now front of mind. Um, So that's how we decipher that. And then anything else we rule out. So then we take those and we're usually left with about 80 odd ideas and concepts and trends. And we then go into workshops. In August, we have a number of workshops where we involve groups of people from all areas of the business, from all countries, who we spend a few hours with a few different groups going through those trends and we delve into them deeper. And we delve into them deeply to say and get to the nitty gritty, the subtrends behind them. That enables us to kind of filter out anything else that maybe isn't relevant enough or isn't going to have a big enough impact. And we usually at the end of those workshops and we combine everything, we end up with around 10 trends. So and that's how we kind of get to it all. So we do a lot of pulling information from everywhere. So it really is like a six, seven month process just to get whittled down to that top 10 report yeah absolutely well it's probably sort of between june to october and then we have to pull it together so yeah three four months in deciphering what we're going to do and then okay yeah because then we look at sort of also look at when we look at the trends we look at the manifestations we look at how it's playing out and do we see products being innovated and introduced to respond to those trends and then that enables us to see yes this is real it's really happening so yeah it is a long drawn out process and before we know it it's starting all over again the next year (laughs) yeah yeah now i'm curious with as you said starting with with 80 and then workshopping down to around 10 are there regularly trends that kind of get left on the cutting room floor that you know, either you or other people in the company are very like, 
passionate about, but you you kind of got to make that tough decision that... Yeah, it can happen. To be honest, we tend to find that when we get into those final, final workshops that we've pretty much all in agreement, we might end up with maybe 12 or 13. So there's a couple that get cut. Something has to give. So in those final workshops, we rank them and we then we do it that way. It's quite a systematic approach when we get to that final stage because, yeah, there's always someone like say, well, I think that's a better trend than this one. So, yeah, but there's a lot of discussion that goes on around that final 10 as well. Just, you know, we pan it out across the uh, industries and sort of get industry experts' opinion as well. So in the final yeah, decisions. Yeah. yeah. You know, having read the report the last few years, it's, I mean, you could tell how much work goes into it. But it's also, as you said, I mean, it's got to connect across industries. And, you know, every year I'm like, okay, wow, most of these can very easily connect to tissue and hygiene. And Mm -hmm. it keeps it relevant. I imagine that people in all these other industries are thinking the exact same thing I am for their industry. It's like, wow, this makes sense. How can I apply this to my industry? Yeah, I think that's a really good point as well, because applying it to your industry, you know, you have to think outside the box with some of this stuff as well, because it might not immediately resonate with your industry and it's that's why when we we talk to clients about these trends and we talk about examples and manifestations and we'll highlight things that are nothing to do with their industries but then they see the connection you know it might be something that's happening in consumer electronics but actually they're like oh I can apply that and so it's really important when people look at these trends any consumer trends is to kind of look at what the people are doing and not just within your industry. You know what's happening in your industry. You want to look broader and get that inspiration from somewhere else. And that's what's fun about these trends and interesting about these trends. Yeah. Literally everyone is a consumer. So if we're talking about consumer trends, regardless of what you're doing, even if you're in a you know a B2B industry where you're not selling directly to end consumers, Mm-hmm. Someone in that value chain is. And at the end of the day, you're trying to sell to a buyer in a B2B role in their non-work life. They're a consumer. And so the more you get exposed to these trends or the more you work and grow expectations around whether it be e-commerce or shipping or things like that, you grow to expect that in your work role as well. At times, there's still kind of that cutoff, but most of the time, if you're working digitally at home, buying products, you're probably going to eventually want to do that for your work. And so Definitely. consumer trends, regardless of your your company, your industry, or you know what sector you're in, you're going to be able to relate to them. Definitely. Absolutely. Before we hear from Allie on what the top 10 trends of 2023 are, I'd like to mention this episode's sponsor, Cotton Incorporated's Cottonworks. Cottonworks is the trusted free online resource for the textile, apparel, and non-wovens industries. With hundreds of easy-to-search resources at your fingertips, Cottonworks is your go-to tool for producing outstanding cotton products. Are you interested in exploring absorbent cotton for your hygiene needs? Find free sourcing directories by visiting cottonworks.com slash nonwovens sourcing. Discover what's possible with cotton. Create a free account today at cottonworks.com. Now then, I guess the exciting moment, Allie, can you share what are the top 10 consumer trends for 2023 and, and maybe share a little bit about each one? Yeah, absolutely. They're really interesting. And I think what I would say about these trends this year is 
that they're quite divergent. There's some quite divergent behavior amongst consumers. So on the one hand, you've got them coping with ongoing challenges, but at the same time, getting back in to what is a new normal as such and ramping up sort of social occasions back to the office. So, and sort of doing all those things, but with a cautionary spending idea in their minds as well. So I put the trends into three buckets. Okay, uh, spending, technology, and lifestyles. It, it kind of really fits this year. So the first three trends that I'll talk about. So first of all, we have budgeteers. So this trend is really no surprise. It's all about inflation, rising living costs. Consumers are being forced to really think carefully about their spending. Uh, think about how they can save money and how they can spend less. So. I think the key is it's about value for money on everyday essentials. And I think this is important. It's really about everyday essentials. So two things within this trend, consumers are budgeting to live well. Some consumers are cutting back on their spending on some everyday items so they can still indulge in maybe that premium coffee on the go on the way to work or something, or those slight indulgences Spending more on on, um, what their kids love is a big one. But then you also have those consumers who are budgeting out of absolute necessity, right? So, yeah, that's what the trend is all about. Consumers really cutting back on their spending. And, of course, for businesses, it's about price positioning, really thinking about value creation, uh, highlighting that. So you, you you almost get on one front, you've got sort of this rising private label and budget lines. So businesses are having to think, do I play in that area? How do I afford to play in that area? So they're looking at product reformulations. But on the other hand, they may be saying, well, I'm maintaining my prices. How do I do that? And you do that by emphasizing the value add and encouraging people to spend. Other trend in budgeteers is here and now. This is kind of more related to the larger ticket items, maybe. We're cutting back, but at the same time, we're indulging. We want to live in the moment. And we're saying, if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? It might cost more next year. Or it actually is just, I've had enough. I'm out for going out and having fun. And I'm going on that holiday and I'm buying that new sofa. And that's it. It's pure indulgence. And so for business on this front, it's about how can they help consumers afford that indulgence? So we're seeing a a big rise in things like the full payment options, buy now, pay later. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere, aren't we? You You go online and you buy anything now, any app, and it's like, do you want to spread the cost of this, right? And it can cost £20. You want to spread the cost of it. Okay. But some people may have to. That is the (laughs) bottom line. So, so yeah, a lot about alternative payment options or maybe things like loyalty programs, cashbacks, trying to encourage people to spend and also other ways of accessing those products. So refurb, secondhand rentals, et cetera. And the other trend around financials, uh, spending, eco-economics, by default, we're spending less. We're cutting back. We are, by default, behaving more sustainably. We're using less. We're saving energy and we're repairing and upcycling. So we're saving our pockets. We're saving our planets. And that's what we kind of say with this. And I think the key here is this is a sustainable behavior. It's less about buying sustainable products, although that is important. If you can, if companies can make those sustainable products cheaper, then, and that's hard 
But if they can, then yeah. the consumer will buy cheaper and get sustainable. But actually, this is more so about doing things differently and thinking about the rise of air fryers, right? Who hasn't got an air fryer these days? Please don't <laughs> say you haven't. <laughs> but I do. No, most people have an air fryer. I can't remember the last time I used my oven because I used my air fryer. So I'm sustainably behaving more sustainably. So that's what eco-economics is about. So then we have technology trends. Again, we have three trends. Authentic automation is one of them. We live in a digital world. Technology is a given for us now. It gives us convenience. It gives us efficiency. But what it doesn't do is give us that emotional connection, that human element that actually we still crave. So we want that human element as a, a kind of technology needs to complement and enhance what we do because we want that personal touch still. So yes, invest in robotics. Yes, invest in automation and digitalization, but balance that investment with the need for human interaction. So really think about where the benefit is of either, right? We also have control the scroll, and I think we can all resonate with this trend, okay? We are increasingly aware that we know we spend more and more time on our devices, but we are aware that we are mindlessly browsing and searching, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you stop and you think, I've just lost an hour of my life. And I can't get it back and I've achieved nothing. Yep. So it's all about kind of we feel that we're wasting time online. So this isn't about consumers cutting back on their time online. It's about consumers being more effective when they're online, more efficient with their time online. So, And, and I think the bottom line for businesses on this front is just making their digital, digital tools, digital interactions seamless, really easy, really efficient. And that will help consumers be more efficient themselves online. Yeah. I know every Sunday I get that notice from Apple, your screen time was up 32% this week. And I think I'm like, what, oh. what was I doing? Like, what Correctly. was I doing this week? <laughs> it's so true. And we all do it. We all do it. And you can't help it. I mean, I spent all my time on my phone and mm -hmm. said, what are you doing now? Well, then you do realize just how much time you spend and you're just doing it. You do everything on your phone now, right? So yeah. It's an interesting one. And it's so true with everyone. And I think this is the year where we've been saying it for a long time, but this is the year where we're seeing people, and it's not just the phone, we're seeing people cut back on their streaming services. They're saying, do I need all of these services? No, I'm going to have one or I'm going to have yep. two. They're specific. We're taking apps off our phone. That's happening. And that's why this trend is right, right now. Yeah. No, I heard on the radio last night, something like, I think the average American spends 48 dollars on streaming services every month, which if you think about that compared to like cable, isn't really a lot because cable packages can cost a lot. But I think it was like 58% of people said that $48 was too much to spend on streaming services. So you're going to see a lot of people cutting back and, and similar with social media as well. People trying to, yeah. okay, do I need LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok? And again, we're seeing people say, I'm cutting back. They're not doing all of the, the social media places. And of course, you know, and that actually brings nicely to the game on is the next trend, because that's the other thing. Gaming is becoming a social media platform now, right? So they, we've got more platforms coming to us. So we're having to streamline in, in certain areas to enable us to try out something else as well. 
and again you know it all just builds up and builds up but but yeah so the game on I guess the key here is that gaming is is gone mainstream it's not about your traditional gamers now all ages all consumer types are getting involved grandparents are playing games with their grandkids and not with them in person they're playing online and then multiplayer games online so and like I said the games are becoming social media platforms on themselves but importantly what's happening is that they are now the new sales and marketing channel as well for business so so what we're seeing now is businesses increasingly thinking about advertising and promoting online and even selling online. So you have some really great examples where it can, where you go on and, and you can actually link right through and go and buy the product when you see it. It could be product placement that leads off to a sales channel or it literally could be like an in-game advert which gets done. So it's a really key place for, for any business to be reaching out to a bigger audience, right? Okay, the final four trends, some where I'm using up all our podcast time just on me, which is not unusual. I talk a lot about this stuff. So yeah, we have these what we call lifestyle trends. So we have first of all revived routines, says does what it says on the tin, right? So we are settling back into kind of new and old routines. We're going back to the office, we're going back out to the bars and restaurants and events. We're returning to a kind of reality that is different but also the same I think what's important here is uh it actually feels this year very different to last year it feels okay to just be just be and be what we've done before right yeah and I guess for any business it's about well how do we just then enable this how do we help consumers re-engage with normality so obviously it's big for the food service industry travel industry leisure industry it's big for even clothing companies there's suddenly more clothing is being bought because we're doing we're glamming up again but we're going out again but yeah it affects across the board so that's the first one there and then we have uh, the thrivers And this is kind of cool. So we know what quiet quitting is, particularly in the US, right? So over the last sort of 18 months, two years, we we saw a lot of people saying, well, I don't need to work all these hours. I want to cut back. I want to slow down. This is quiet quitting across all areas of life. Consumers are stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, and they're saying, do you know what? I'm exerting less effort now. I'm doing less. I don't need to do all this. It's kind of accepting that it's okay to just be ordinary. We don't have to do better, do the best. You just need to do what's right for you because actually it's more important to be well. And I think that's what we're saying to ourselves. So it's about being calmer, being more relaxed. So any products that, that link into that, right? Cannabis, <laughs> CBD yeah. infusion is everywhere now. That's a big one for this particular trend. But any kind of stress relief, mood enhancement, energy boosting is really important here and just kind of trying to just do and be and enjoy life more. I mentioned She Rises before, you know, social reform has been high on consumers' agendas for a long time. The focus on women's rights, equality, supporting women across their lives is really having its moment, like I said. So, yeah, companies can support this trend as an employer, obviously, with female equality, but also as a market player. 
so we see a lot of uh, a lot of products that are coming out to sort of like lose that stigma around um, women's health issues in particular. And then the final trend um, is young and disruptive. So all about Gen Z. Uh, they're gaining their financial independence. They represent um, a quarter of the global population. They're a huge group. They're hugely influential. They've gone through probably the most disruption during the pandemic because they got hit such a critical part of their lives. They're at higher education, they're starting their work, their university, etc. And they kind of, they're known for being pretty fragile and very difficult to engage with if for business. They're very demanding, but they, they kind of have come along and said, we know what we want. So they know what they want and they're more determined than ever to do well and, and get what they want. So I think the key here is just businesses need to understand who these guys are, how to engage with them. And it's online, TikTok, metaverse games. It's all about social responsibility with them. Millennials are all about the environment. Gen Z are all about social good. And they're all about collaboration and involve me, talk to me. I want to be a part of this. So very, very influential. So that was all the trends in a very long-winded way. (laughs) (laughs) So to recap, and I, I've got the benefit of my list here in front of me, but authentic automation, budgeters, control the scroll, eco-economic, yeah. game on, here and now, revive routines, she rises, the thrivers, and then as you mentioned, young and disrupted. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Ten trends. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. You now have a nice overview of the top 10 consumer trends for 2023. And on our next two episodes, you'll be getting more details on six of those trends that will have the biggest impact on the hygiene market. And if you want to see the Euromonitor report on the top 10 consumer trends for 2023 that we referenced in the episode, we've included a link to that in the show notes. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Liz Bruner and Paul Andrews at Bostic and Michelle Takovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Post-production for Attached to Hygiene is done by Podcast Boutique. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guests today, Ali Angus and Li Ying Chien. You can follow both Ali and Li Ying on LinkedIn, and you can learn more about Euromonitor on their website, euromonitor.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.